Welcome to Art Talks. I'm your host, Richard Codd, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today for another edition of Art Talks here on KZMU in Moab, Utah. On today's show, we'll hear from local artist Antonio Safarisi about his painting philosophy and where he gets his inspiration to produce his wonderful paintings of our desert landscapes and other iconic scenes around Moab. We'll also hear from representatives from the Utah Watercolor Society. They'll be talking about the Western Federation of Watercolor Society's 46th annual exhibition that is being hosted by the Utah Watercolor Society. We'll hear about how they adapted this major art event to deal with the restrictions caused by the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, we'll speak with Biga Metzner, the director of the Moab to Monument Valley Film Commission, about some of the events the commission has planned for the next several months. So thank you again for joining us here today on KZMU. So my guest is Tony Safarisi. Tony is a local artist here in Moab, and uh, let's welcome him to the show. Welcome, Tony. It's great to be here, Richard. Thank you for this. Oh, thank you so much. So um, let, let's start, let's tell people a little bit about who you are first. Um, uh, how long have you been a professional artist? I have been uh, profes- uh, for about five years now. Five years? Yeah. Does, does that tie in time-wise to you were a community artist in the park a few years ago, right? Yes, sir. Yep. When was that? That was the 2019. Oh, so not that long ago. No, just uh, two seasons ago. Oh, okay. And uh, tell me, did, did you go to school for art? I went a year and a half to the University of Utah, um, but I would have to say most of my uh, education, and it's ongoing, is... It's honestly reading. Uh-huh. Reading is the best thing I've done, as well as exposure to a lot of artwork. Okay. Um, so it's always ongoing. Okay. Looking for new tips and stuff like that. And uh, how long have you lived in Moab? Uh, briefly, uh, in the late 90s. Oh. Um, and then I've just moved back uh, about six years ago. Okay. And what did you do before... Um um, before you became uh, artist in the park or active in the in the community here in, in Moab? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I kind of just bounced around, honestly. Um, I think in my twenties, like most young men or women, you're kind of just trying to, you know, find your traction, sure. your footing, see where you want to go with life. Um, art's something that I've always been interested in you know I was the kid doodling in the margins and stuff like that in in school and uh, my father used to always say hey you're an artist you need to come back do art Um, six years ago I just I came back and I decided well let me pick this up and uh, give this another go was anybody in your family an artist yeah my father um, he's a woodworker he was taking oil painting classes, night classes in uh, Denver when I uh, was growing up, and I remember him doing that. He tried to drag me to a couple of those, and uh, I think I was like seven or eight, and oh, okay. <laughs> I just wasn't having it yet, you know, oh. the institutional uh, learning thing for an eight-year-old, I you know. And where were you born? Where where'd you... Uh, I was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York, actually. Oh, you were? Yeah. Severisi. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Oh, okay. My my daughter lives in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. So I, 
I lived and worked in Manhattan for 32 years. Wow. I didn't live in wow. Manhattan. I mean, I lived in New Jersey, sure. but I worked in, in New York, so I'm very familiar with Brooklyn. Very cool. So, yeah, no, Brooklyn's yeah. great. Great food. I I, oh, I know. Uh. <laughs> Don't get me started. I miss ta- good Italian food. I know. The Italian delis are fantastic, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Italian delis. Let me tell uh. you. And Arthur Avenue up in the Bronx. I don't know if you ever went up there. No, now you're, yeah, I'm not okay. super familiar. Okay, well, <laughs> it's it's fun to reminisce with another East Coast or so. Um, tell me, I, I know you work in oil. Um, is, is that your primary uh, medium, or have you worked in others? Well, yeah, I've worked with acrylic, and uh, I was really into pastel for a moment. In fact, when I was artist in the park, I was primarily pastel. And uh, that was a good way to... Um, uh, cut my teeth, so to speak. Um, you don't have to learn to mix your own color. You know, you can reach into your palette box and visually see. Okay, I need this cerulean blue, this value, right? This shade, whatever. Um, but uh, nowadays, yeah, for the last two years, approximately, give or take, um, it's been oil. It's, uh, absolutely it's love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you do uh, a lot of plain air? I can. Obviously, um, I don't do as much as I used to. Um, that's just kind of a time a time constraint for me, really. Um, I think it's a fantastic tool, though, and I, I think it really should be mixed. You know, twenty five percent out in the field mm-hmm. in life, and you know, seventy five percent in the studio. I do believe studio work is very important for people. Um, and we were talking earlier before this. Uh, I do think too much plein air funnels into working too much from life and I do think artists we're at our best when we create and so sometimes when you're in the studio and you don't have the real thing you have to make it up you have to make it up yeah do you take photos of what you want to paint oh yeah absolutely I go out and uh, I'll take you know it's I'm just a thousand photos on a hike Um, sometimes I have to be reminded to put the camera down at this point and, you know, maybe two of those photos are what I'm looking for, you know. And I, I'm, I'm going to ask you, uh, what what is one of you, what do you like to paint the most? Is it landscapes? Is it That's, street Yeah, scenes? that is a great question. Because um, I've seen some of your street scenes. So, right, I do love, you know, street scenes um in fact there's kind of one behind you that's a work in progress of the apache motel um at night um i do love that americana so to speak Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. old hotels road stop um areas old signage Mm -hmm. i love that um i've had great success with that um but i really paint whatever strikes me i think Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing is um you know, today, you know, if somebody comes into the gallery, you've got 30 seconds of their attention <laughs> before they, they move on. But, I mean, yeah. this is just the way it's worked. So for me, if it's, you know, I feel like, wow, that struck me. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it will strike you too. And I can get your attention. Yeah, hey, I was going to ask you that. Um, how do you decide, or uh, uh, what am I trying to say? How do you start a painting, and if you're thinking about selling it, what, what are you trying to capture that you're hoping the person who comes by in the gallery says, oh, 
Isn't that that's a great question? Um, the number one, actually, statistically speaking, I believe the number one um, method for art sales is nostalgic. Nostalgic. Okay. Um, you were speaking about New Jersey and Manhattan a moment ago. Um, if you were in Salt Lake City and you went into a gallery and there was just something of, um, you know, one of the harbors out there, and it just, or one of the delis, there were a couple Italian old men sitting outside a, de- a sure. deli. That's going to appeal to you. That's going to take you back. Um, I. So the nostalgia mm-hmm. is something I, I definitely try to, uh, for my smalls, uh, my eight by ten paintings is the nostalgic I or the landmark idea that you were here, um, you know, broken arch, delicate arch, um, stuff like that. Right, right. Um, I hope I'm not digressing too much. No, but, no, no. Uh, if it's a large painting, what uh, what I'm looking for is I want a painting where. Uh, Somebody feels like they can walk into it. It's a full scene, and you can look at it and you go, "Hey, that little fold there. Let's let's walk over there. I wonder what's over there." You know, I'm I'm guessing the market is. is that was the question. I'm sorry, it's Richard. It's a different client. <laughs> that's okay. It's a different clientele who's looking to purchase a large painting versus a small painting I can take home. Let me make sure I stay on topic here, because that's a great yeah. question. Actually, um, it is number one, right? If you're coming from Europe, you're, you're not going to be able to do it. Most of them will ship it anyways, but shipping gets expensive oh. too, right? Um, I just sent a package to my daughter in Scotland. It weighed um, oh, five pounds or something. Right. $81. Wow. $81. $81. Bucks. To, to, to ship a little box of odds and ends. And nowadays you feel lucky. You're like, only 81 bucks. <laughs> I I, so I, I understand shipping is expensive. So right. somebody might be looking to be able to put that in their suitcase. First thought. Certainly. Uh, I like to also think about people's walls. And you might think that, okay, well, the, the person who, uh, the wealthier person, Big canvas, big walls. Generally true. But they've been buying art for a long time. They might be looking actually for something that's medium size, a 16 by 20 or an 8 Mm -hmm. by 10. Mm -hmm. And if it's a good painting at a reasonable price, and that's really the the key, good painting, reasonable price. Um, I just adjusted a price in the gallery the other day um, for a painting I painted two weeks ago. I had it for $3,000. That's what I wanted after the gallery right. took their take. Right. I decided, you know what, it's the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Let me move it down. I moved it down to 1900 sold the very next day. Oh, yeah. super. Yeah. No, I, I, was, I was very happy. Um, I guess that's uh, like, like any product, finding that price point Absolutely. Is, is very difficult. Right, right. And for... Uh, Newer artists, and I would consider myself a, a, a newer artist for sure. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm emerging, but I have so much to learn. You know, I don't really have a a big name whatsoever. Um, for for newer artists, it's definitely kind of a catch twenty two. You don't have the name to to garner those you know big fish, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also still your work's not at a level where it speaks for itself per se. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but yeah, I definitely think about people's walls, um, where they're coming uh, from, and that's why I do some of the city scenes. I think that's I sold a neon sign to a guy from Reno. 
last year, and it just it seemed perfect. You know, it oh. was coming from Reno, and this which year, one? Which one was that? It was the uh, right here, actually, on Main Street. The um, the Apache sign that's oh, vertical, yeah. yes, lit yeah. up at yeah, night. I, I remember that. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. It says yeah. four blocks this way. Yeah. Um, go figure. It went to Reno, and I, I figured it probably would. So again, that nostalgic idea, I suppose, or what people relate to. Oh, I I, I agree with you. Um, that's such a big question, um, Richard. I could I could like really <laughs> expound on that well, so much. Well, well if, we, if we if we get a chance, but um, so where do you get your inspiration from hiking or you know I I am lucky. Uh, I just love I love our I love to paint. Mm -hmm. um, an eighty hour you know work week painting that's a good time for me. Mm. You know. Um, so my number one inspiration would just be the love of the love of it, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, who, you know, look, looking at your paintings, I'm here um, in Tony's studio, and the walls are, are full with uh, his paintings and other works in progress, uh, and many of them are landscapes. Um, who, who inspires you? And your work. All right. Um, I'd have to say who inspires uh, somebody I really, really enjoy is Josh Elliott, um, fabulous oil painter. He's located in Montana, but he you know he shows his work throughout the Southwest. Um, I'm also you know inspired by uh, Gustave Caillebot. Um, I, I love his gardens and you know his capturing the essence of the Industrial Revolution in France. I, I think it's key to, um, you know, kind of going back to the last question, what are you painting? Who are you painting for? Are you painting for a place, a time? And I, I think he did time so well. Um, I'm inspired by Edgar Payne for his compositions um, and just the vast array of subject matter that that uh, man mastered. I mean, he's got boats and harbors, he's got Canyon de Chez, he's got mm. European scenes, he's got the High Sierra and Nevadas. Um, William Wentz, also one of the Californian Impressionists. Uh, I love how loose his work is. Um, Maynard Dixon, of course, yeah. uh, just he was the uh, progenitor of the entire scene, I think, that we have now, which is a fantastic scene, but I think he started it all. If you look at um, people like Logan Maxwell, Hagi, I, I hope I didn't pronounce that last name wrong, but he's one of the biggest names in Southwest art right now. He shows in L.A. His stuff is absolutely derived from Dixon. Um, Elliot, too, you know, uh, Mark Maggiore. Um, these are just right now titans in the field of Southwest oil painting, um, and they all follow Maynard Dixon very closely. Hmm. Okay. In, in fact, just before I came over, I was reading um, uh, something on Facebook, uh, uh, Robert Goldman. Oh, I love Robert Goldman's work. Yeah. Okay. He, oh, I, I man. I saw some of his. He has a show at the, I think it's the Maynard Dixon. Mount Carmel over Mount there, Carmel. the Legacy yeah. Museum. And, yep. and I just saw it, and I was like, oh, my goodness, these are incredible. He's also part of, uh, we were talking earlier about the uh, Grand Canyon Celebration of Art. He's one of the artists that goes down there for that. Guy is fantastic. I, oh, man, you know, 
add him to the list. Um, I have looked at his work. You know, I'll go through phases where I look at somebody's work for like three months. I just, you know, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. geek out on that. I'm like, oh man, it's, and I did that with him. I love his little strips of color and oh. how juicy. I mean, vibrant. He, he does it very well. Um, yeah, I, I was impressed. So um, yeah. I'll, have to, <laughs> I'll have to see if I get there to, to see the uh, exhibit. <laughs> Me too. So who who would you compare your style to? Any of those, or maybe somebody else, I or, or your own? Well, I, I I try to be me. I really do, um, as much as the world will let me, mm-hmm. I guess, right? Um, this is not quite the, the right market to go complete abstract, <laughs> you know, to be completely yourself. But um, I do bring plenty of elements of myself. Uh, I would have to say um, Josh Elliott, and uh, he's a master, keep in mind, you know, but... Um, on that sense of impressionistic realism, and I kind of hate that term, but I guess that is the term of, you've got, there are rules, right? You know, ambient light, reflective light, horizon line, you Impressionistic know. realism. Right, right. You're trying to make it look painterly in almost haphazard, but it reads like it's real because nature when you go out is very messy oh. you're not focused on everything like the camera and that's why plein air, doing plein air painting is so important because you go out there and your your natural instincts filter out so much peripheral information that the camera just it takes it all in and, and that that's there's been plenty of really good bad paintings so to speak we've all heard that it's cliche but but you know maybe it's like um, my experience is you see this climb to the top of you know any peak here or trail and you look out and you, you see this vastness and your eye and your brain comprehend take take it all in but when you take the picture and you go home oh geez it, it, that didn't really capture what I Right. What I was thinking when I was there. Right. Uh, no, absolutely. And so that's why there are rules like the camera will lie to you. And, and if you paint to your photograph, which I have learned the, the hard way over many years, it just will, I don't want to say fail, but it just won't meet your expectations. Um, you've got to blend lines. You've got to gray things out. And, and here with the air being also so clear and clean, if you're up at that mountain peak and you look 30 miles in the distance, that camera might actually embellish that color in the distance way more than you're really seeing it. Mm-hmm. And it it's a gray, blue, muted, dull color. Um, let, let, we were briefly talking about it, but what do you think of the art scene here in Moab? I think the art scene is, is definitely adequate. I think it's getting better. Um, and there's an artist I follow, and I, I'm very knowledgeable. He's from Salida, Colorado, and um, he talks about actually throughout the Southwest, tourist towns, destinations for people. That's really where galleries are. So Moab's no different than Sedona, no different than um, Prescott or uh, Taos, Santa you know, Fe, Santa Fe, right? I mean, these are, you know, um, I mean Santa Fe being a major market for art but um so i think moab is kind of um following a blueprint and i think uh again we were talking about this earlier and the idea of the plein air 
event here in Moab. I think that's fantastic. They've got two great judges. They've got Michelle, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce her last name, and uh, Bill Kramer. Um, and They're both part of the uh, Grand Canyon Celebration of Art, um, they're in, which is an invited event. You have to be an artist who's invited oh. to uh, partake in that. And Bill Kramer, man, he is also an inspiration you know speaking of uh, Robert Goldman he's one of the guys I geeked out on for about three months also his art is fantastic and he won last year's um, artist choice award for um, you know so he was the painter's painter for all the artists out there this last year so you know you're getting big judges lots of people come in including the guy from Salida who's a fabulous artist by the way um, you know a great teacher yeah, and I know the the, the festival. I, I I've only been to one because I've only we've only lived down here for two years. But um, we went to the first year, and, and I was really impressed with with the scope of the work that was produced. And Absolutely. unfortunately, last year's was canceled because of COVID, like everything. Right. But I know there that will be happening again this October. And hopefully that event and other events can continue to attract more and more artists and people who are looking for their art in Moab. Oh, I think there's, I think there's no doubt there's a lot of artists who financially rely on the circuit of these plein air events. And they're very talented. Um, and it's also part of their rallying cry to, to remind people that plein air artwork is considered finished artwork, mm-hmm. you know, which you know, 50 years ago, perhaps it wasn't. It was all about studio work, but um, I think it'll be as big as ever this year. I hope so, anyways. Well, I'm with you. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 know, I know they're putting a lot of uh, effort into it and marketing it. And, Great. And, and we'll see, because uh, it's just it's a week-long event. Uh, I think you wow. paint for five days. Wow. Um, or you can paint for five days. And then you have the the judging and the, the pictures are hung in the mark right. for sale. So as part of that street fair, so it's a great event. Absolutely, so, I agree. So, so tell me, Tony, um, how does someone find out about Tony Safarisi and his art? Well, they say you should do like uh, what 90 percent, eighty percent studio painting, and you know, ten or fifteen percent uh, marketing. I. I'm really bad at that part, you know. Um, this is, <laughs> but you can find out uh, about me through primarily Gallery Moab, which is where I hang my originals, and Moab Made, um, both on Main Street here in Moab. And Moab Made will have um, reproductions of my work um, in the form of prints. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, let me interview here for KZMU. Um, I see you pleasure around town, and uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. You're listening to Art Talks on KZMU 90.1 and 106.7 on your FM dial. I want to just take a second and thank everyone who donated to KZMU during our recent Spring Radiothon. Your donations help us produce shows like Art Talks and all the other music and public affairs programs you get to enjoy every day here on KZMU. Next up is my interview with representatives from the Utah Watercolor Society that was recorded on May 6th 
about the current virtual exhibit by the Western Federation of Watercolor Societies. Our next guests are Maura Norton and Christy Grusendorf, who are the co-project managers for the Western Federation of Watercolor Society uh, art show, I guess I'll call it, that is being held here in Utah. So welcome, Maura and Christy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, thanks for joining me today. Um, can you tell me what is the Western Federation of Watercolor Societies? Who wants to take that? So I can take that one. It was, it's a, a federation of watercolor societies that come from around the western part of the United States. There's 10 of us. There's two in Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, New Mexico, Oregon, San Diego, Texas has two, and Utah. Oh, how does the state get two? Well, for example, uh, Texas is a big state, and the it's generally the population centers. They form up their own watercolor society or, or art organization, and that makes it easier for people to go in person. Oh, okay. Um, Oregon Watercolor Society is scattered over the whole state of Oregon. Arizona has two. They've got Tucson, which is a big population center, and then one centered around Phoenix. Okay. Uh, Colorado and Idaho, New Mexico, they, they include the whole state. Um, how, how long had, what, what is the official name of the show? Yeah, the Western Federation of Watercolor Societies, uh, number 46 exhibition. Oh, okay. Art Elevated. Yeah, oh, oh. that's our theme. Art Elevated because it's in Utah. Yes. Okay, and the last time it was here was? 2010. 2010, okay. And l let me ask you, what, what is the goal of the Federation? So it, their, their mission, they were founded back in, uh, they were founded in 1974. They really didn't have their first show until 1976. But, uh, and they f were founded in New Mexico by a guy named David Gale. And he's, he's since long passed away in 1980. So I, I never got a chance to meet him, thank him, because that was uh, really a good idea to get all these watercolor societies together and and uh, see what they could come up with for uh, shows. So the mission is to encourage and recognize artistic excellence and promote the visibility of watercolor in the West. Oh. We showcase works on paper with a variety of water-based media. Okay. Um, how many um, people participate in this event? When you add up all the members of all the societies, there's uh, about 5,000 watercolors uh, artists oh wow yeah it's it's a big group yeah um, and how many um, uh, paintings were submitted for this year's show this year we were down a little bit I'm sure it was because of COVID we had 829 paintings submitted by 373 artists and here in Utah we had um, 74 artists and we had 13 of our artists accepted. Okay, so of that 373, 74 of them were from Utah? Yes. Is that correct? Okay. And what was the last number that you said, Christy? 13 of the artists had their work accepted in this show. So we've got 13 Utah artists represented. They don't try to balance like Texas 
gets 15 every year or is that <laughs> no they're judged and juried solely on the piece of art and you know as much as we would like to have you know <laughs> right right i'll have to tell you we, san diego is usually our most successful they get a lot in every year oh well, I, I actually had an opportunity to visit the San Diego Watercolor Society um, when I was out there a f several years ago, and they, they, there are some, some good artists out there, that's for sure. Yes, there are. So we had 13 in Utah. Um, did any artists from Grand County or Southern Utah submit anything? So I looked, and I didn't see anyone from Grand County. We had Carbon County and San Pete, and I think uh, the St. George area, Washington County. Uh, I was telling Christy, one of the uh, best watercolor artists in the country is Jonathan Frank. Yes. And I went, went to his website. He says he's retired from painting. <laughs> oh, well, Jonathan, actually, um, I think that was correct a while ago, but he is now painting again. Uh, and he, oh, thank he, goodness. Yeah, he is now uh, displaying his works at Moab Gallery. So, yes, he's back. So l let me ask you, what, what do the judges look for? in a painting and how do they decide what one is the best or better what are they looking for mara told me she wanted me to answer this question <laughs> it's you know it is it is um complicated um every juror is a little bit different okay i think once you get up in those upper echelons though um you know sarah yeoman has got her signature status in the american Watercolor Society, and so she is a very accomplished artist herself. So she is well versed with um, color theory, composition, design, all of that stuff. You know, edge quality. Um, you know, it, it just and she of course knows the medium of watercolor um, perfectly. So, you know, all of the pieces that get accepted have all that basic stuff. You know, they have solid composition and solid color and solid everything. So then then she's looking at more particular things after that. And then it gets a little bit more um, subjective. Uh -huh. it, it has to do with how paintings move her personally. And so there is that extra factor that factors in. And frankly, this is one of the reasons I tell all of our artists to always submit because you know you just don't know what's going to strike a chord with that particular juror. How many judges are there for the event? Um, just the one for this event. Can't afford any more than one juror. In a lot of the bigger ones, you know, like the AWS and NWS, quite often they'll have a panel of jurists. So they'll have you know three, um, two or three jurists doing it. Um, but we. We just get the one, and um, like I said, it's always a very individual but very uh, wonderful show each time. Okay. Do you have different categories? Does, do you submit something for landscape or, do you, or portrait, or is it just every painting is judged simply as that painting? Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, it, it, again, that might you know, in the end, sway a juror. I don't know. I, I think most jurors are open to all, um, you know, uh, 
a non-objective, um, abstract, um, you know, hyper-realism, you know, uh, expressionistic, impressionistic. I think every juror usually is open to all the different um, forms and, and also subject matter, but, you know, you can't help but be swayed by um, things that you, you personally like, right. you know. So that's going to creep in for sure. Uh -huh. So um, w tell me about the prizes. What, what do the winners get? Well, the top prize is $1,500. So it's not going to make them rich, but it's definitely going to pay for their art supplies that they had to produce that painting. And then it goes on down from there. And so we have uh, 21 awards, including the uh, Artist's Choice Award, which uh, this year we used a computerized entry system called Art Call, and it allowed us to send out the ability for everybody that entered to vote on a painting that was their favorite. So it's artist choice, and uh, so that, that award should be pretty special. And it was not one that was selected by the original juror, so that's even more interesting. Oh, that is. Yeah, enough artists that liked the painting that hadn't been selected. Do amateurs, is this just for professionals or are amateurs included as well? I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, it, whether you're an amateur or professional, it's what you put on your income tax return. Right. And it, it probably has to do with skill level more than saying, oh, I'm an amateur, but you might be an expert at watercolor or some other kind of art, or I'm a professional and uh, Maybe you just paint one way. So do the artists get any feedback um, on why their submission wasn't chosen? Do, do, do they give, give you any feedback that says, hey, this was really good, but um, your sky just was blah? You know. No, I, I was going to, especially for the ones that don't get selected, that's very rare that a juror has time to go through all the ones that weren't selected. Quite often, though, they will do it. I know Sarah did a critique for us where she gave us some reasons why she chose her top 20 pieces. Oh, okay. So, you know, um, that that is helpful for probably everybody else to listen to, too. Oh, sure. They can apply it then to their own painting. And, um, you know, if this is what she was looking for and I don't have it, you know, that's a pretty easy thing to deduce why you weren't chosen then. But um, in general, I mean, and how many did you say, Mar, we had submitted? There's just no way. Yeah, 830 paintings. That's a lot. That's a lot. It, is, that, is that around what you get every year or was that year, or was that, that number? It was down by about 100 paintings. It was down on... Yeah, and uh, actually maybe even a little bit more. We, we usually average about 1,000 a, a paintings for okay. this show. And I, I just think it had to do with COVID. That, that people weren't out and about and doing their normal... They, they weren't. It, so they didn't... You don't need to be out and about to be a painter. Uh, I think... Uh, some artists just didn't enter. Maybe they were depressed. They didn't paint. Uh, they got confused. You know, we've been bombarded by all so much digital stuff. Maybe right. they should miss the deadline. Uh, I don't know why why it's down. I, but I'm assuming it's because of the uh, pandemic. 
So th- these are all watercolors. So um, there are no other medium. Can you can it be mixed? Is it can you have watercolor and ink or? So they can mix it. They can put in some acrylic. I think there's. Uh, probably a little bit of ink that people put in we don't really we try to keep it true to watercolor there's other exhibitions that people can enter if they have a really mixed media with a lot of collage right uh, they've outlined stuff or they've added uh, you know oil paints are water soluble now you can get a water soluble oil and so we just we try to keep it true just to watercolor Okay. Uh, and water media, which includes acrylic and gouache. Okay. And tell me about the uh, the actual event. I know there um, there's a reception that it will just be virtual. In in the past, that reception, how how many people would come to the event? Here in Utah, we would average between maybe a hundred. I think we had over a hundred last the last time we had okay. the event in 2010 we were planning for about that same number and it was uh, February when we were notified that we could not have more than and back then it was 10 10 people oh wow have more than 10 at a time to come view the show there would be no food there'd be no so no reception so we had to put on the brakes real fast and change everything that we had planned. Oh. Well, uh, that's, we were, yeah, I guess everybody yeah. in the country. So as the Federation said, hey, Utah, we know this is, was a tough year. You can have it again in 2022. 20, uh, oh, no, we're, <laughs> we'll pass it on down to the next person. <laughs> Even though it's virtual, it was probably more work. You know, I, I told you, I, I thought it would be maybe easy because I had done this before 10 years ago. Right. You know, it's just, oh, yeah, we did it this way, we do it that way. We're, no, we've had to reinvent the, the wheel. And so as soon as we knew we were going to be virtual, we went out and hired an audiovisual company to help us with the show. And then we started getting feedback from all these uh, re- states that have remote artists that there was no way they were going to have a watch party or be able to bring in their members to uh, to watch because it, it was going to be broadcast quality versus Zoom. Hmm. And so after about a month of working with this audio, audio-visual company, we had to change again. Oh. Okay, we're just going to do Zoom. Right now, we've got about 200 people signed up to watch. Okay. And that's a pretty big reception. And then... Uh, there's the piece where people are, everybody clusters around one painting, so you can't really see the painting right. well until they move. Right. Uh, you can't hear the awards because everybody's talking. In this instant, you're going to be able to hear who the new signature members are, who the new master signatures are, and who the award winners are. And you're going to be able to hear from each one of those artists that has won an award. Uh, yeah. What they, how they created their painting, and that is going to be special and unique to this uh, exhibition because you don't, you normally just hand them the award and say congratulations, and they say thanks, and then they walk off, and you, you know, that's it. Let me ask you a question in general: What percentage of artists, uh, their medium is oil? How how many artists, if you know, what percentage might be watercolor? 
Yes. Any idea? I'm just curious. I think oil. Listen, on your lip. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. I teach up here uh, in Salt Lake at, in Sugar House at the Peterson Art Center. And uh, below us is the Blick Art Supply Store. I've been there many the times. Number, yes, we are the number one store, this Blick, for watercolors in the whole country. Oh, wow. And because we have such a strong stable of watercolor teachers. You know, Harold Peterson for years and up in Cache Valley, several, you know, Chrissy is a great instructor and uh, Lester Lee and uh, the Lee cousins, the Lee family. There's mm. Roland Lee down in southern Utah. Oh, he's excellent. Uh, Carl, yeah, Carl Purcell there in the middle of the state. Uh, there are really good watercolor artists in Utah. Did either of you submit uh, anything in this year's event, or were you too busy? We did, and did not get in, either one of us. So, you know, competition is stiff. Wow. Well, maybe next year. Where is it going to be next year? New Mexico Watercolor Society in Albuquerque. Oh, okay. So, fun place. So, we're really, really rooting for it to be in person, because that's that's just a really fun place. Oh, uh, yeah, I would hope it is. I mean, we should be... We should have emerged from the pandemic by then, but things just keep getting pushed back a little bit. But I think we're in better shape now that so many people are slowly getting vaccinated. Well, I really appreciate uh, Maura that you took the time and Christy that you, you, you were here with us today on KZMU. We'll have links to this and people will be able to, to after they hear the show, go and check out the exhibition. So thank you so much for joining us here today on KZMU. Now that people are getting vaccinated against the COVID virus around the country and here in Utah, things are slowly beginning to open up and restrictions against public gatherings are easing and more activities are being planned for the coming months. And to tell us about some of those events is my next guest, Biga Metzner, whom I spoke with last week about what's going on here in Moab, in the world of films. All right, my next guest is Biga Metzner, who is the director of the Monument to Moab Valley Film Commission. Welcome, Biga. Moab to Monument Valley Film Commission, but What did close. I say? You said Monument Valley to Moab. I mean, we can go the other direction. Oh, that works. I'm sorry. What are you sorry about? It's uh, fine. It happens. Excellent. Excellent. D- dyslexic, I guess. It's all good. <laughs> but anyway, welcome, Biga. Thanks for taking the time to... To come up to the studio today. Thank you so much for having me. So, what do you have cooking on the agenda? I know uh, the last year with COVID, things were have been canceled and completely changed. And um, how are we doing now? What do you got coming up? Well, it was definitely an interesting year last year, huh. Richard. I have to say. Um, But I have to also say that despite it being interesting, it was very busy in the film world um, once we opened back up again, you know, a year ago. (laughs) So um, and then and then, yeah, commercial filming kind of picked back up. There was a lot of places were closed down still, Los Angeles and New York. And we had sort of opened back up again to that with safety protocols and COVID stuff in place and so we had a lot of filming happening last fall oh good so we 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 did have crews here coming to to moab and 
We did. We had crews coming to Moab. Oh, good. Uh, the uh, Monument Valley Tribal Park has been closed and continues to be closed, so there was not any filming happening down there. So that actually actually pushed people more this direction too. And when you want to shoot outdoors and when you want to shoot in a certain environment, um, this happens to be one of those beautiful, stunning, epic, iconic, red, rocky, mountainous you know, multi, multi ecosystem areas to do that. So we've had, we've had a lot of, um, a lot of interest, a lot of inquiries, um, uh, moving forward for potential filming stuff too. So that's really exciting. We'll see, um, how it goes. I unfortunately have said this many, many times, but it's, I can't really talk about the things that might happen until they actually happen um, right. or, ha- or have been done happening. You know, where I know, I tail, know. tail lights are up and they're in the, on the horizon, then I can talk about it. I but. know, because I, I was hoping you'd come on here today and, you, and you'd say, oh my God, you can't believe the movies that want to come here and then just rattle them off and, and we could all be standing outside with our little autograph pads saying, oh, oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, let me just say, oh my God, we, you can't believe what films might be interested in filming here. <laughs> well, I told you I want to be an extra in, in the show. So yes, and that one, and I did. I did a post picture of myself, and uh, yeah, Mr. Kevin Costner was in town yes. scouting, and I will. I, you know, if I posted that on my film commission Facebook page, I guess that it's all right to talk about the fact that he was here. Um, uh-huh. Very, very nice gentleman. Um, and interested in shooting a project that he's been working on since 1988 oh, wow. um, in Utah in general. And so, um, although he ha- is looking at other states, but um, hoping that between all of the film offices and film commissions in the state of Utah, mine and others, that um, we can figure out the incentive aspect that he needs to, in order to make this project happen and, and mm-hmm. you know, make it so. It's pretty... Um, it's going to, if it happens, it will be a very big deal. Oh, good, good. Well, I'll, I will certainly keep my eye out and see what happens. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, like you said, um, if it does happen in the area or even somewhat close by in my jurisdictions of Grand and San Juan counties, then, uh, you know, hopefully they will be casting extras and stuff. It's one of those, you never know until you, you never know until you see the whites of their eyes, you know? Okay, I, do I need my union card yet? Yeah. Yet, I don't, will you get your union card from it not being an extra? Probably not. No, but uh, if they decide that they love your look and they need you for whatever aspect it is, then they might. You know, you might end up getting your union card from that. You never know. Well, my film career aside, what do you got cooking? What's what coming got, up? Okay, so the things that I can talk about that are coming yes, up. Yes. Okay, let's start with that. So, uh, first and foremost, um, coming up is the 30th anniversary of the filming of Thelma and Louise. That was shot a lot, primarily, of it in the Moab area. And mm-hmm. myself, the, the Moab to Monument Valley Film Commission, along with the Utah Film Commission, which is the state office, we are putting on a screening event for that anniversary on May 21st at Swanee City Park. So May 21st at Swanee Park. Yeah, that's a Friday, okay. May 21st. So that's only a couple... That's oh. next week. That's this yeah, week. That's yeah. this weekend. That's Friday. 21st. 21st. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a couple of weeks away. No, from today, from the recording. Oh, it's yes, the, yes, it's, yes. It's, it's Sorry, folks. What happens? You know, you, you <laughs> record this stuff and for... It, We're pre-recording for, for the future. For the future. That's but, right. But so basically, if, it, if today was really the 17th when this was really airing, then... 
Right. Then the Thelma and Louise, May 21st is this Friday. There you go. And um, we're hoping to have um, uh, one of our guys who's been working in the film industry for a really long time who has one of the Thelma and Louise vehicles. If he's not actually working on another job, trying to get him to bring his T-Bird by, Larry Campbell, who's awesome and a huge collaborator with me at the Film Commission. He's a locations guy and been around doing that for over 35 years now and he has one of the vehicles the oh, actual wow. one so oh. that will be super cool if we can get him to not be working and to come and bring the car i'm also hoping to have potentially like a little um photo booth trailer type thing that uh biscuit coop which i had at the moab showdown a couple of years ago just taking you know so you can go in and take pictures and wearing a hat or whatever and oh, have I, photo little photo strips for yourself to take home um these are all things i'm guess that i'll have had worked out by today but mm-hmm. <laughs> um there also will be a beer garden um for that for the event so oh, okay we're probably going to be starting around seven o'clock ish even though the film won't begin showing until um sundown which is probably closer to eight forty-five nine o'clock when it's really really dark enough yeah yeah it's getting that late now it is it is getting late but um yeah i really i mean i'm so looking forward to it it's a huge deal good you know 30th and 30 anniversary 30 years of thelma louise so um you know one of the funny things that i have been talking to with people there's a there's a location here that people like to go to um that is called and only googleable as Thelma and Louise Point now, but it was not originally called Thelma and Louise Point. It was called Fossil Point. So you can't even search Fossil Point that I have found on you know Google Maps and have that come up. But if you put in Thelma and Louise Point... And that's where they drove off, right? That is... Don't... No spoilers. There's, you're watching the oh. movie in a couple days. Oh. Ha, well, let me ask you then, <laughs> if, if that's a Fossil Point and Thelma and Louise Point... Um, has anybody tried to duplicate that? Do we, you know, anybody that was like, eh, I'm going to pull a Thelma and a Louise? Um, not yet? Not that I am aware of. No. Okay. Um, well, and hopefully not. Just, um, I, I was just curious. But I do want to point out, just so that parents are aware, that it is a rated R movie. And there is some, um, oh. you know, pretty hefty stuff that happens in there. You know, again, no spoilers, but probably unless you're super cool with bringing your young child who doesn't really doesn't really know what's going on in a rated R movie, you might not want to bring them. But you might. Okay, it's up to you. Rated R. Okay. Well, thank you for adding that. What else you got coming up? I have more free movie Moab movies coming in the park. Excellent. I'm very excited that we're able to do that again because it is something that last year we were not able to provide for the community. Right. So again, at Swanee City Park. Um, and those are on Friday nights and little small, small writing at the bottom. All movies and dates are subject to change. Okay. But um, the first one that we have, well, we just had one last week, which went really great. That was Monsters, Inc. But coming up on um, actually, what is the actual date? Coming up is... Is it in May or June? Oh, the first one... So, okay, so the actually before the free movie Moab ones, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Before okay. the free movie Moabs, I'm doing a collaboration myself and the rec department with Science on Screen. So they have an outdoor film coming up before we do on May 28th, 
And the Science okay. on Screen movie is The Martian for May 28th. Oh, the one that was just out with, was it, who was in that? The one that was out a, well, was a couple of years ago now, but Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. that one? Oh, yeah. okay. And, they, and they do a great job, and they have like really awesome people, science people who come and talk before their events. Good. So what that, day, when was that one? That's May 28th. May 28th. For okay. The Martian for Science on Screen. Okay. And then the free movie Moab next one is on June 4th, and that is going to be uh, The Crudes, A New Age. Kid movie. Oh. Just super, you know, kid kid movie okay um then the next one after that out in the park like i said all are at swanee is another science the last science on screen one for their summer run is um jurassic park and that's going to be on june 18th and that is like dinosaur-y people yeah paleontological people yeah, paleontological people talking about yeah that could be fun dinosaur-y things and showing jurassic park oh, so good uh, and then after that, the free movie Moab has on July 3rd, which is going to be a whole weekend extravaganza put on by the city of Moab at Swanee Park. So on July 3rd, that Saturday, um, we are doing another beer garden. We're calling it like date night brewy kind of a thing. Um, so we'll have a beer garden. Um, and that movie is going to be um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, that's a classic. Super classic. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Especially because in that movie, they like are off on a day that seems to be a holiday somewhere, but you can't quite tell what holiday it is. So we're just going to pretend that it is 4th of July. Excellent. Excellent. Um, And then after that, July 23rd, we're moving into the Julys. Laters, um, we have a screening of The Wizard of Oz. Oh. Which is back out on... And that's outdoors? That's outdoors, too. All of them are outdoors at Swanee Park. At Swanee Park, okay. Yeah, so Wizard of Oz, outdoor. And if you haven't seen that movie, whether you are young or old, or even if you have, it is a classic. It is the best. It is, I mean, to me, one of my top five movies. I can't imagine somebody who has not seen The Wizard of Oz. You know what? I can't imagine either, but I've actually met them. Oh, my goodness. And I, it kind of blows my mind and I kind of want to just go like and did you not see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory too and have you not seen The Dark Crystal and have you not seen I mean there's just so many well have you not seen Blade Runner I mean there's so many movies I guess there are people out there there are but anyway so that's July 23rd Uh is The Wizard of Oz and then our last movie of the season we're only doing a short run this year and it's spread out between the science on screen ones um our last movie for the summer will be on August 6th, and that will be, we hope, Raya and the Last Dragon, which has not actually been released on DVD yet, so we're hoping that that its release comes at the beginning of July and we're able to show that. And if not, then we'll change it to another movie. Okay. Uh, and you just went through several films that are going to be showing uh, different days. If people want to get this information, you know, if, if they can't remember, where can they go to, to find all this out? There are a couple places that you can go. One of them is to my website, filmmoab.com. Filmmoab.com. www.filmmoab.com. Okay. And there's an events page and a calendar in that. And you can sort of scroll through and see the events. Oh, perfect. Um, I Also to the Moab to Monument Valley Film Commission Facebook page. I will have it posted on there, a flyer with all of the movie events, and I will continue to post them prior to them coming out 
usually the week of, because if I do it too early in advance, some people pretend that the Friday is the one that's the day the next day and it's not. Oh, so I, okay. I like to do it sort of week of ish. Okay. Um, also on the Moab City Recreation website, which is I, th- I oh. don't know it offhand, but MoabCityRec.org or something like that okay. also will have it on their move, movie calendar. Well, so. we will put links to these on the KZMU website. Thank so. you. Yeah. So um, that's fun. And, um, you know, like I said, there's a few of them, few less than we usually do, but we're also trying to spread it out, not just for the science on screen ones, but also there's going to be like free concerts in the park. And so I didn't want to have, I didn't want to double up on weekends. I wanted to sort of spread it out throughout the summer so that people had fun things to do kind of every weekend rather than be like, which one am I going to choose? Yeah, one weekend that has 16 different things going on. Yeah. Okay. And then that's kind of the run of like free movie, fun, parky stuff um, in my world. Anything else in the next uh, month or so? Um, remind what, me what month uh, we're in. Well, well, <laughs> the, well, well, we like, like May, June. I think you covered almost yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, uh, okay. No, I mean, really, the, the the biggest are you know just our free movie movies, and then the July Fourth one, and the Thelma and Louise yeah. one, okay. all you know, fun stuff for okay. for the community. And then um, if I if there are added things that I've forgotten, then yeah, they will be on the KZMU website and on yes. the Film Commission website yes. as well. Yes. But um, if ever there's a question that comes up um, or if anyone, you know, wants to collaborate on things like I am doing with science on screen, um, you know, I'm happy to mm-hmm. do things like that with the community as much as I can um, to make things happen. Okay. Well, Biga, I want to thank you very much for coming up to uh, KZMU today, high atop Rocky Road. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing all that information with us. Thank you so much for having me. And we will see you again. You will. I want to thank all my guests for taking the time to join us here today on Art Talks. The art world is emerging from a difficult year, and like everything else, it will take time to return to normal, whatever that means in our post-COVID world. Please join us next month here on Art Talks for my interview with the artist Carl Purcell, who was one of the premier watercolor painters in Utah. I'll also talk about the art classes that are held each summer at Utah's Snow College. I'll also share firsthand what I learned as a student in the upcoming watercolor basics and composition course that I'll be taking at the college in early June. So remember to tune in again on Monday, June 21st at 4 p.m., here on KZMU. This is Richard Codd for Art Talks.